We're going to talk today about a Savior is born. We talked last week about how Jesus came to earth. Uh, the angel that Luke records uh, said, a Savior is born to you this day. And that's important. That tells us what he was doing. He was coming to save. But we're going to read a portion of Matthew that tells you who he is. And, and my prayer is today that you would leave this place with some confidence about your circumstance, whatever that is, because you have a God who understands. And so, um, so we're going to read from Matthew this morning, I think Matthew chapter one, this is Matthew's recording of Jesus being born. And so, uh, why don't you stand to your feet in honor of reading the word? It's going to be strange today because we've got this big center aisle. There's nobody to stare at. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18. And now we're going to lean into who Jesus was. So you can get this on the screen. You can also find it in the Hope Community Church app with notes. And you can find it on the Bible app if you have that. Uh, but Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Say amen if you're ready. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But, it, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Lord, it has the power to change us. We pray that you do that, Lord. We came here together this morning to be in your presence, be opening, open to you changing our minds. Do it through your word this morning, God. Let us be different. Let us have a holy confidence in who you are as we leave. Christ's name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Matthew, if you were here last week or watched it online, you know that Luke has a, his details about the birth of Christ, different track. Matthew's uh, account looks a little different. He, he does the genealogy thing right before this, and then he jumps right into Mary being pregnant but not by Joseph and Joseph finding out. I can imagine that was a stressful conversation for Mary. Uh, they were very young compared to our standards of when people should get married and have kids. And, and I imagine that was a conversation that um, took a lot of courage. And I'm sure that Joseph loved her beyond what we can imagine because 
uh, his response, even though he wanted to leave her, was extremely gentle. If you could put yourself in Joseph's shoes and have your fiance walk up to you and say, I got to talk to you about something. It's not a big deal. We could do it over dinner. Hey, an angel met me the other day and kind of said this was going to happen. And we're pregnant. (laughs) I like that Matthew records that Joseph thought about it for a little bit. And what am I going to do? I want to spend the rest of my life with this woman. But this is, I don't know, this is crazy. And so he didn't want to shame her. It would have been devastating in that culture. He didn't want to shame her. He didn't want to put her. So he th- I'm going to, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to make this as smooth as possible. I'm going to do it extremely quietly. She can move on with whatever's going on with her and I can move on. And, and that's the way the deal is. And the angel of the Lord comes to him in a dream. And says, hey, Joseph, she ain't lying. Matter of fact, this is exactly the way God planned it. And she's going to have a baby, and it's from God, and you're going to call him Jesus. But then the angel adds something in there that we didn't hear in Luke. The angel adds in there, you'll call him Jesus. Uh, But he will also have the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Luke tells us in his account that we talked about last week that a savior is born to you. That's what God does when he comes to earth. He saves. But what we're going to talk about today is Matthew records the angel telling Joseph, you're going to call him Emmanuel who he is. He is God with us. And that changes a lot of things. How many of you, how many of you like tech support? Anybody like calling tech support? I just want to, want to get a uh, show of hands. How many of you, like if something breaks in your house, you're like, yes, I get to call tech support. Maybe you just call them randomly just to see how they're doing. I talked to you three weeks ago. We had a good conversation about the VCR. That's how you know right there when you're still calling about the VCR. But anyway, um, (laughs) just thought I would call back and see how the kids were. (laughs) We had that little conversation about the blinking 12 o'clock on the VCR and you helped me out and I thought I would. Now the reason we don't like tech support is they're typically not from Hedgesville. Do you know how many times that I've been on tech support for something, and I'll say, and they could be tech support in this country, out of this country, and, and they would say, okay, could you give me your address? Or, or the address we have on file, sir, is uh, uh, the church address, 6867 Hedge, Hedge, Hedgeville, Hedgeville. It's Hedgesville. <laughs> it sounds exactly like it's spelled. Hedgesville. Hedgesville. 
And to make it worse, our physical address here at the church is 6867 Hedgesville Road in Hedgesville, West Virginia. Spelled the same way I told you the first time. So you get on tech support, they have no idea where you are, can't pronounce your town. And, and to make it worse, you don't know what their experience is. Here recently, I think Sam told me he called tech support for something here in the church and found out that he knew more about the product than the person on the other end of the phone. And they, and they begrudgingly told him, hey, I started three weeks ago. Flip to page seven then and tell me what to do. It's like this last resort. We're going to, if something, if something technical happens, you're, you're going to, you're going to probably call somebody, you know, and say, Hey man, you ever, you ever stopped the 12 o'clock blinking on your VCR? I'm not sure what to do. Or, or you're going to Google it first. Isn't it ironic? The last thing we're going to do is the thing that they provide for us to do to figure it out. We have great tech support. No, you don't. I've called you. It's not very stellar. Recently, I've been through a, uh, like a year-long relationship with tech support for a travel agency. Um, we had a couple uh, trips canceled because of COVID, and we were trying to see uh, if we could get some plane tickets refunded. Uh, to be specific, about seven plane tickets refunded. And um, I started this process about a year ago, calling the not yet mentioned travel agency online and, and saying, Hey, you know, these things are just sitting there in limbo. Could I possibly get my money back? And and they said, well, you're going to have to call the airline to which I called the airline. And they told me you're going to have to call them back because we already gave them the money. So I got back on the phone with tech support. I said, Hey, um, They let the cat out of the bag. You actually have my money. And so they said, yes, Mr. Jones, um, sure. Take care of us. So they they refunded me for three of the tickets. Three out of seven. And um, now those happen to have been the three tickets that I paid for. So I'm done. Only I wasn't done because the other people are related to me. So here recently, I, I decided to start the process again. And I thought, well, where's that money at? So I called tech support again. And, um, and, they, and they said, well, you're going to have to call the airline. I went, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you tried that last time. So I go through the whole rigmarole. And, um, and they finally, after about this time, it took 35, 40 minutes or so. They finally went, Mr. Jones, we have no idea how this happened. I said, me neither. So they finally were able to, I think they're refunding the money. I think. I don't know that we've gotten it yet, but I think they're refunding it. It's probably being carried through the internet right now as we speak. But tech support is kind of this last resort distance help that, um, that you expect not to be able to relate, not to be able to understand. They don't know what you know. They don't know your level of ability. They don't, they don't, they don't know anything. It's just, it's just somebody on the other end of the line trying to guess at what's happening. Hey, my car's making a noise. Can you help with that? 
The beautiful reminder we have at Christmas time is God is not distant tech support. He came to us. He came to us to live with us. The writer of Hebrews records it like this, chapter 4, verse 14. Since, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our, with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. The angel came to Joseph and said, you're going to call him Jesus. That's what he's going to do. He's going to save you from your sin. But his other name is Emmanuel because it's who he is. Jesus is what he does, but Emmanuel is who he is. He is God with us. He's not God looking at us. He's not God on the other end of the phone. He's God with us. John records it like this in the first chapter of John, chapter four, verse 14. And the word who is Christ, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now listen, this wasn't a momentary touchdown for a couple seconds so that God could go, oh yeah, you know, I know what it's like to stand on the earth. This was him living with us. Now, I'm going to try not to offend too many people here because I know this is a trend that's getting bigger. And if you're online, I apologize up front because you may be into this, but you know, a lot of people believe in UFOs now. Wasn't it last year that there was a whole bunch of people at Area 57 that were going to storm the gate because they knew they had the, you know, the green slimy monster trapped, you know, locked up in the air, the hangar? In West Virginia, it's Mothman, isn't it? Yeah. Sasquatch. You know, I'm just like, eh. In all the years of all the people searching, the best we get is a blurry image that looks like a hunter. In a ghillie suit? The best images we can get is a streak across the sky. And we're like, they're here. There's no picture of anybody with their arm around them going, hey man, this dude dropped in yesterday. Yep. Blinked his eyes and cooked the turkey. There's no picture of him. There's no historical accounting of anybody ever having one over for dinner. Anybody ever... And we're enamored by it. Hollywood will make movie after movie after movie after movie of these extraterrestrials touching down to earth. And by the way, we always shoot all of them. And yet God came and dwelled with us. And sometimes it's hard to believe. When you can go outside the scope of biblical writings and find his historians from the past going, no, he was real. Jesus was born. Jesus lived. Here's an accounting of what he did. Here's an accounting of how he died. And here's an accounting of how he lived again. That's important for us. 
Because if, if God was this distant deity, he would feel like tech support. He would feel like he, I don't, he doesn't understand what I'm dealing with. He can't even pronounce Hedgesville. But that little statement by the angel to Matthew, Jesus is what he's going to do. Emmanuel is who he is. Wrap your head around. God is with us. Now, Jesus is born. He's born the same way you and I are born. He's not by C-section, by the way. He's born. He's got to He's got to learn how to talk. He's got to learn how to eat. He's got to learn how to walk. He's going to fall down. His dad's going to catch him from falling off the stage at the Christmas program. He's going to, he's got to learn how to navigate puberty and middle school, whatever that looked like. He's got to learn how to, he's got to learn how to work with his hands. He's got to learn how to listen to his parents. He's got to, he's got to, he's got to learn how to deal with unbelievable grief and sorrow, unbelievable pain. He's got to learn how to deal with betrayal. He's got to learn how to deal with celebrating, losing loved ones. Everything that we deal with. He's got to learn how to deal with temptation. He wasn't tech support. He was living the same Way While he was 100% God, he was exactly 100% human. He didn't skip to adulthood. He did, he did the whole thing. 100% God and 100% human. Now, now, now he, didn't, he didn't just put on human flesh, but then act like God. He put on human flesh, not just because of a restriction, but to relate Think about that. It wasn't that God was going, hey, I'm just going to be like them so we can get this over. No, no, no. He came down to relate to us because the writer of Hebrews says he can sympathize with you. He knows what it's like to step on something and cut his foot. He knows what it's like to walk all day and be tired. He knows what it's like to have people disagree with him when he's just trying as hard as he can to make them understand. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like. For people to cheer for him, he knows what it's like to work hard all day and be tired. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be tempted. It wasn't a show. It was he was us. He was human. Tempted in every way, just like you and me. He wasn't immune. He wasn't, he wasn't insulated or isolated from all those things. They impacted him. We know he goes to, we know he goes to, Lazarus's grave and cries just like you and I would. He knows what this life is like. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But because he came and put on human flesh like we have, he put on the limitations that we have. We can now relate to it. When I'm suffering, I know that he has suffered. When I'm celebrating, I know he has. When I'm mourning, I know he has as well. He's not an unattached spectator, but he was a willing participant in life. And to push it even farther, 
I think Jesus was tempted in ways that you and I could never imagine. Let me say it like this. Um, It's human to give in and divine to resist. Every single one of us knows what it's like to give in. We just give in. It's part of our being 100% human. We, we give in to temptation. Some seasons of our life more often than we resist. We know it's human to do that. We know, I, I know this, it has less to do with your environment and more to do with how much Jesus is in you. For this reason. If you go all the way back to the Old Testament, the beginning of humankind, you have God creating Adam and Eve. God formed the first couple out of the dust of the earth. He, he, he made them perfect, one-off perfection. There was nothing else on the planet like it. He created Adam, and then out of Adam, he created Eve. They were a perfect match. Could you imagine being in a relationship and never arguing? That's what you thought you were getting when you got married. <laughs> Adam and Eve was a long time ago, bro. Adam and Eve were in the perfect environment, provided for beyond their capabilities. Adam and Eve didn't build any of the garden. There was no way Adam and Eve could stand up and go, We built this. It was there when they were created. It was provided for them out of the goodness of God. Every need they had was provided for them in the moment. You never read at the beginning of of creation with Adam and Eve, you never read them saying stuff like, God, man, you're going to get us some dinner? What's up? We're like, we're hungry. When God saw that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, he created before Adam asked, he created Eve. You don't see a long litany of Adam going, hey, man, it's boring over here. God was providing. The Bible says that he would walk with them and talk with them and, and interact with them in ways that we can't imagine. And yet they still fell to temptation. And we have the audacity to think if I made more money, I would be tempted less. <laughs> if, I, if I would finally get the spouse I wanted, I wouldn't be tempted anymore. It's got nothing to do with your environment. It's got nothing to do because... The perfect people in the perfect place still felt a temptation. Because we're human. Now, the beautiful thing is, when God comes to earth, he's 100% human, but he didn't stop being God. So the devil had to ramp up the temptation just to make it fair. So Matthew, I think in chapter 4, records Jesus being tempted. Chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Look at your neighbor and say, duh. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, As it is written, Man should not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up. Lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship, worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. You see a little bit of a progression there in the temptation of Christ and actually a progression that goes far beyond what we've ever been tempted to do. It's funny. Um, we're going to do this thing. We, we fast at the church about three weeks out of the year, typically at the beginning of the year, and it's coming up. And some of you that have been coming here for years, are you, the anxiety is already starting to build. Like, oh man, it's going to be green beans for the next three weeks. We do a thing called the Daniel Fast where you get rid of meat, um, sugar, dairy, anything pleasant. It's peanuts and Brussels sprouts for the glory of God. <laughs> the, the idea there, though, is not just to change the way you eat. It's to re reshape your focus. I'm going to deny myself and, and focus on my relationship with my Savior. And inevitably, here's what will happen. We'll all start talking about, you know, the typical person has a very manipulative caffeine addiction. You don't have to wave your hand at me. I know who you are. You're the ones on Facebook that go, didn't get my coffee. And then I'd unleash total hell on the whole office this morning. <laughs> so we know where the spirit of God and coffee dwells in your life. So what happens is Jesus is led into the desert by the spirit to be tempted by the devil. It's like an on purpose test, but he doesn't eat for 40 days. I've never done a 40 day fast about four days into the Daniel fast. I'm like, my head hurts so bad. No caffeine. And you're tempted. The Bible says the devil starts out with, Hey, I know you're hungry. Turn this stone into bread. Never been tempted like that. Now, mind you, Jesus would have walked through all the normal temptations of a teenager that you and I walked through. This was extracurricular temptation. Turn the bread, turn the stone into bread. Jesus says, I'm not doing it. Man doesn't live on just bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I got stuff that feeds me that you don't even know about. That's why I can go without ice cream for three weeks and still make it. Then he says, okay, let's go to the top of the temple and let's, let's, let's look. Why don't you throw yourself down from the top of the temple and let the angels pick you up? Let them keep you from falling. Let them keep you from hurting yourself. He's like, I'm not playing around with that. You can't tempt me about my health and about if, if, if angels are going to, that's, that's dumb. You can't do it. And then the climax of temptation takes him to the top of the highest mountain and says, look out across here. He wasn't just talking about land. He was talking about kingdoms. 
If you'll worship me, I'll give it all to you. All of it. Wealth beyond your wildest imagination, notoriety. You'd be in charge of the whole thing. Just bow down right here. And Jesus said, I can't worship you. It's already written. Now, my, my proposal this morning is that you and me have never been tempted like that because we typically give in at the bread point. We typically give in at the coffee. We typically give in at the, at the little thing. We typically give in at the apple in the garden. There was no promise to Eve about, I'll make you ruler over everything you can lay your eyes on. It was just like, I'll let you have some more knowledge than you currently have. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'll pass it out to everybody I know. Eve was the first drug dealer. Adam, roll over here. Try some of this. We typically give in at the very onslaught onslaught of temptation. We don't know what it is to resist it for a lifetime. We do this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I resist it one day, give in the next. Resist it one day, give in the next. And that's typically how our lives work. Jesus resisted it the whole time. We have no idea the amount of temptation that was laid on him. You know how you feel when you get tempta- tempted with even little things or, or semi-big things. You get tempted and you can feel your blood pressure raise and your anxiety level go up because you're like, Lord, I don't, I don't think I can do this. I don't think it's just so much pressure. You know, if I was asked to lie at work or do this or, or manipulate something, Lord, I don't know if I can handle all this. And Jesus took that to the exponential factor and never gave in. Can you imagine the weight? Imagine the weight on him in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he didn't want to go to the cross, he prayed to God. He prayed to the Father. If there's any other way to do this, I'd like to see it right now. But not my will, yours be done. And then he walks out, they go to arrest him. And Peter starts lopping people's ears off. As much as I'd like to do it that way. I already prayed about it. That's not the way we do it. Peter, stop, man. Man, I'd have been tempted to everybody pick up a sword. I might go to the cross, but it ain't going to be without a fight. And most of us go to our own crosses, scratching and fighting the whole way. And Jesus said, I know it's tempting, guys, to do it this way, but this isn't the way the Father set it up. I'm going I'm to resist the temptation all the way to the end. So actually, God with us knows more about what we're walking through than we even do. He knows intimately what it's like to resist what you're dealing with right now. He knows intimately what it's like to resist blaming, to resist casting, casting blame on. He knows exactly what it's like. At levels we couldn't dream of. So when Matthew writes Jesus, call his name Jesus, and then he says, this is to fulfill the prophet, he will be named Emmanuel. Listen, saving is what he does, but God is who he is. And he came to earth to know us. The writer of Hebrews would later say he sympathizes 
with what you're walking through. Now, let me say it like this. There's a portion of scripture that says, makes this statement. There is no condemnation in Christ. No condemnation in Christ. For one reason, he has saved us from our sins, and that salvation is good forever. Amen? That salvation is good. You don't, you don't have to get saved again. You are saved. Amen? So, so I, I remember as a kid dealing with that, like you ask Jesus to come in your heart, forgive me of my sins, be Lord over my life, and then next week somebody cuts in front of the line at school and you cuss them. Oh, you didn't do that. So I would think, well, I've got to ask Jesus back into my heart. Like he just rolled out after, like Jesus can't handle cuss words. So I think, oh, I got to get saved again. Well, that's not true because he's already saved me and I'm becoming more like him. Amen. Okay. So the scripture tells us that once you're saved, there's no condemnation in Christ. So I'm not condemned because I'm cussing. I'm saved and I'm getting better at the cussing. Amen? Some of you are like, we're working on it, brother. I'm working on it. Here's another reason why I believe there's no condemnation in Christ. Because he understands. You have more grace for people that suffer the same way you do. Mm. If you've never been addicted to drugs, it's easy for you to look down your nose at people who have and go, they should just straighten up. If, you, if you've never lied on something, it's super easy. Boy, child, that's not even true. I think we've all lied. If you've, never, if you've never been unfaithful, it's easy for you to be like, well, I can't believe they do something like that. I've never been tempted to do something like that. But you know, we, we have a camaraderie with people who sin the same way we do, don't we? We just like being around people that are just as dirty as we are. Now, Jesus never sinned, but he has a camaraderie with us because he was tempted the same way. So the Bible says there's no condemnation in Christ because he has saved us. Yes, Jesus, but also because he was Emmanuel, God with us. He knows what the temptation's like. He says, listen, I know what it's like to be tempted like that. That was tough. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to save you. Because I've been with you, I understand what the temptation is. And because I came to save you. I can save you after the temptation. But he does one better. He does one better. The writer of Hebrews does not tell us to be confident because after we sin, he will forgive us. It says be confident that when we're tempted, he already knows what it's like to be tempted. He can sympathize with us in our temptation. And then the Bible goes on to say that he will provide a way out for you in the midst of every temptation. So here's how it winds up. Watch this. You're so used to the 
person on the other end of the line, a thousand miles away or 5,000 miles away, telling us what they think is going on with our computer. Only to end the conversation sometimes in frustration because you realize they can't pronounce Hedgesville and they don't know about the computer either. Some of you are treating God like that. Some of you are treating God like this distant person who just got a job with a tech support company. And you're like, man, if he only understood what I'm dealing with right now. So you don't even bother calling him. You don't even bother ringing him up. And Christmas is a reminder that he does know that God put on the same limitations that this flesh has that you and me have. He put on those limits. He knows what it's like to be tempted. But the beautiful thing about it is he knows what it's like to overcome temptation. He's the only one that could every single time overcome. So then he promises us, hey, listen, I will provide for you a way out. And when Jesus left us, he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. So now it's not a tech support phone line. It's him living in us every single day. So he's closer now today than he was when he was walking the earth. He's in us, dwelling in us, giving us the power to overcome sin, giving us the power to overcome temptation, giving us that power. So here's, here's the new thing. Anybody remember in the late nineties, early two thousands, the, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Yeah. The, yeah. The bracelet you'd wear around WWJD. Why are we guessing? Why is it even a question? What would Jesus do? At Christmas, we're reminded that we don't have to guess what he would do, but God came down. Emmanuel came down. In the beginning was the word and the word was with us. And the word was part of us. He came down. So it's not a guess anymore. It's not a guess. It's, hey, what did he do? What did he do? God lived with us and gave us 33 years of an example in almost every circumstance you would imagine. Oh, somebody betrayed him? Here's how he treated him. Oh, somebody somebody didn't agree with him? Here's how. Somebody persecuted him? Here's how he treated him. Somebody did this? Here's how he treated him. His best friend? Best friend? Here's how he... We don't have to guess because he was with us. So the writer of Hebrews says this, Now you can stand up in the morning with great confidence that the God who saved you also lives with you, also understands. And so we can approach him as somebody who is sympathizing with our situation. Right now, he knows everything about it. And he said, better than that, just sympathizing, I am making a way for you that you don't even realize. I know intimately everything you're dealing with this morning, and I'm working it out day by day, minute by minute for your benefit. That's his promise to us because he didn't just come to save us. He came to be with us. Amen.